Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Beat. I'm Simon Collings from the Evening Standard and today I'm joined by the Athletics, Art Drosh and Nick Callow of Haters. We're going to look ahead to Saturday's game at Burnley and chat a little bit about Jack Wilshere. Plus, Nick is the next man to face the Arsenal Beat quiz. Um, he got a big challenge this week, Nick. Charles Watts racked up 9 out of 10 last time. He's the current leader. Nick Ames, currently in the relegation places on 6 out of 10, so you've got to finish above him. But first, lads, let's talk about Burnley this weekend. Um, historically, Nick, the saying about Arsenal is they don't like it when they head up north and face a physical and direct side. Do you think this Arsenal team will be any different? Obviously, they've made lots of signings in the summer, or do you predict it's going to be another difficult afternoon at Turf Moor? Well, I think it's almost like Burnley are becoming the new Stoke for Arsenal, aren't they? Although, as you'll find out in the quiz, I'm a terrible one for facts, figures, remembering results, or even what I had for breakfast. So, I've got a feeling that Arsenal will always do pretty well against Burnley. It's only the sort of last sort of season or two that Burnley have begun to give them a few sort of real problems. I know you were talking to Mikel Arteta the other day about how Ben White's going to face up against uh, the sort of the bruising Burnley sort of forward line. And Arteta was talking about how it is difficult to play against Wood in particular. But I think um, it, will be, it will be a tough game. And the way Arsenal started this season, a draw is not a bad result at all. But they should go there with a bit of confidence, really. I know Norwich was a bit of a squeaky win in the end, but they, they played pretty well overall. I think that um, I think there's some stronger players in that Arsenal team at the moment, and they should be okay to withstand it. There's no doubt Dice will go for them. I mean, he he really loves to get it amongst Arsenal. He's a bit old fashioned that way. I've got a lot of time for Sean Dice, but um, they will go for Arsenal, no doubt about it. It's going to be a tough one, but I think uh, I'm going to predict a draw if that's not jumping the gun from one of your futures. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. It's fine. Um, oh, and Nick was touching on on Ben White there, who obviously came under a bit of criticism, you could say, or maybe some scrutiny after that opening day game against Brentford. How much of a difference do you think it's going to be him having Gabriel and Tommy Asu alongside him for this game at Burnley? I think Gabriel's probably the biggest one because when you look at how Gabriel started last season, one thing that I guess everyone saw immediately was how ready he was to engage the physical side of the game. And we saw that again against Norwich. I mean, the difference between him and I guess Pablo Mari is he's a bit more active when he's defending. And I think that will help Ben White a lot. Um, also, even looking back to when Arsenal went to Turf Moor last season, um, I think that was actually Callum Chambers' first start in the Premier League. And um, I, I, I remember speaking to Mikel uh, about Chambers around the Europa League group stage times. And one thing he said that uh, was... Chambers could help if Arsenal needed extra height in a back four. And I guess we saw that a few months later when he finally started at uh, Burnley. And obviously, Tommy Asu has got that height. He's someone who can play across, as he said, all positions in a back four. Um, so I think, yeah, that that extra physical presence, but also um, a bit more, I think, Gabriel and Ben White are both more mobile than Pablo Murray. So um, that'll definitely help as well. Mm. And what, what would think, you do? Oh, you go, Nick. Go on, Nick. I was going to say, what do you think about the Ramsdale factor? Do you think he's more of a safe pair of hands in a game like this in terms of fending out crosses and 
and so on. Yeah, I liked I liked Ramsdale uh, in that Norwich game largely because of his, you know, how vocal he was and how I just felt when Arsenal played Brentford that Leno felt so sort of panicky and lacking in confidence um, that that back four seemed to transmit what Leno was transmitting. And against Norwich, admittedly, I know it's Norwich, they're going to have sterner tests. I just felt Ramsdale seemed a bit more assured and he's a bit more eager to come for, for crosses. And I think against someone like Burnley, you need a keeper who's going to come out and try and dominate his area. So I would stick with him personally. I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah, be changing. I, w- I wouldn't hesitate to, to play Ramsdale. He's bigger and he's taller. And he actually, rather than being scared of the ball at his feet, he's actually demanding it, wasn't he? And he did that sort of, almost like that sort of semi-goalkeeper's Cruyff turn as well in the, in the Norwich game. He obviously has no qualms or, or worries about being on the ball. And um, he's a bit taller than Leno. He should be more comfortable. He is more comfortable in the air, I think. And um, he's played more championship football. He's more used to those sort of bruising encounters. Um, I hope he starts. I think he will. Mm. Oh, what would you do with, with Leno or Ramsdale? If it feels like, certainly for the time being, that's going to be a question of most press conferences, what, what Arteta's going to do with his goalkeepers while we're in this sort of situation. What, what would you do tomorrow? I think, personally, there's no reason to drop Aaron Ramsdale. Um mm. He looks very assured. I think that was maybe the word that I used in my match piece after the West Brom game. Uh, obviously, that was the context of that is West Brom put out a very young side, but um, you can only play the team that's in front of you. And I think Ramsdale on that night looks quite confident in himself. And he did again against Norwich. I think um, one point that Nick raises is, I guess, his bravery. Um, I, I think Burn Leno has that, similar bravery because when you look at his strengths it's more his I guess reactions uh and his shot stopping so I think they're maybe on par on that level but then I guess when you look at what he brings in terms of what he's transmitting the energy that may be what tips it over the edge in terms of Ramsdale or Leno in terms of more long-term thinking then that's where it gets a bit difficult because I know uh, even when Emmy Martinez was at the club, uh, so when I think it was just before the pandemic and Arsenal had Olympiacos in the Europa League and everybody was expecting Martinez to play because it was the Europa League, but Arteta went with Leno for both legs. So you can kind of see his kind of thinking, I guess, when it comes to the goalkeeper position. But... Um, I wouldn't say it's been like a total surprise that Leno's lost his place because even when he was fit in the second half of last season, uh, Matty Ryan was still getting a few chances to to start. And maybe the Ryan wasn't on the wall, but you could see Ramsdale taking his place at some point. Uh, so yeah, I think Ramsdale for now, more long-term thinking, I'm not 100% sure. I think he's got he's got to go for it. I mean, I remember after the um, press conference the other day, I posted on the Haters TV socials who should be Arsenal's first choice goalkeeper, and the most popular answer was Emmy Martinez. So, <laughs> and, and I know I, I get teased for sort of banging the Martinez drum, but I think from the moment he was sold, that was sort of beginning of um, Arsenal's problems. I just think he he gave the Arsenal defence and all the players around him so much confidence because he was such a solid, reassuring presence. He made very few mistakes. He was good with the ball at his feet. He was strong vocally and he had that sort of Arsenal in his heart, that Arsenal mm. spirit. And 
with all you know, due respect to Leno, likable guy, and as you say, a good shot stopper. But if you can't stop shots, what else can you do as a goalkeeper, really? Um, you know, he's paid a lot of money for Ramsdale. I would personally give him an extended run in the side. I know he says he will sort of judge it all on training and performance, but he's got his chance now. So it's um, it's all up to him to take it, isn't it? Yeah, I, I see similarities actually with Ramsdale and, and Martinez in terms of the, their personalities and the what they transmit to the team. And that was that was a point that Arteta actually made after the win against Norwich was the energy that Ramsdale brought and how he changed the atmosphere. Um, and I think the same applies with with Thomas Partey because I mean all of us you know saw the difference he made in that that Norwich game. Uh, it kind of feels like he was not rushed back so he could be ready for this and then also Tottenham next week. W- what would you do with him, Art, tomorrow? Would you start party or would you still be thinking, let's try and give him another half an hour, give him Arsenal have got Tottenham next week or do you think this is the sort of game you probably need Thomas Partey in central midfield? I, I would start Thomas Partey. Um, I think... As we saw last season, he he wasn't probably managed in the right way mm. when coming back from injury, rushed back for the North London derby, coincidentally. Um, and uh, there was that, I guess, episode, we'd call it, where he's trying to come off the pitch and Arteta's pushing him back on. Um, and I feel even, uh, again, speaking about the last visit to Turf Moor, uh, for the goal, I think he was the one that played the pass uh through the lines into Willian, which led to the goal. Um, and we saw sim- not exactly the same, but a similar type of pass into Bukayo Saka, which led to the goal against Norwich. And I think he, alongside Lokonga, is probably the only midfielder that sees that pass um, and is able to actually make it quite well. Um, so I, I would start uh, Partey, maybe give him an hour. I'd probably see how the game goes, I think he he will probably help make a difference in the first half at least. Hopefully by by the time half time comes around, uh, there's a few a few goals, and uh, if the game is looking comfortable ish, then then there's a bit of uh, time to just uh, give him give him a little rest uh, ahead of the North London derby. Uh, maybe give him a, a bit of a bit of. Uh, uh, a few minutes against Wimbledon in the second half as well. But yeah, for Burnley, I'd definitely start Thomas Partey. I know people agreeing doesn't make that interesting listening, but I think Art's <laughs> hit the nail on the head there because this is our this was our big, big sort of jewel in the crown, Thomas Partey. And he'd never been injured before he came to Arsenal. Then he's been really unlucky since he's been at the club. And I think Arteta has panicked before and rushed him back. And he really knows he's got to manage him properly this time. And I'd agree with Art that, Rather than having him on the bench and coming on when things are going badly or trying to change the game like he did a bit, a bit against Norwich, let's start him and just say, look, you're probably going to come off after 55, 60 minutes anyway because we need to manage you and let's, you know, and, and do that. Start with your best team, see how far that gets you and then have a plan in place to, to take him off. You know, substitutes are so crucial now. We've got so many substitutes in football that, you know, he can have a, a plan B to t- change it and... Um, we need party. Arsenal need party fit for this entire season, really. And rushing him back for, for matches is, is just a bad idea. But managing him within those matches, 55, 60, 65 minutes is, is a much better idea. So I think he has to start for me, probably alongside Lukonga. Mm. Uh, uh, Nick, you've already saw it, said it's going to be a draw, but I, I want to get both your predictions before we move on in terms of 
what the score is going to be. Nick, give me give me a score and chuck in a first score if you want as well, seeing as you're feeling Mystic Meg today. Well, I've also actually before before I started talking to you guys, I thought it was going to be two one or three one to Arsenal, <laughs> but I'm now erring on caution, and I'm going to think it might be one all. Um, so I'm going to go one all and uh, Odegaard to score a goal. Very nice. Oh, what are you saying? I'm usually the more cautious one on podcasts, but I'm going to be quite op- optimistic. I think it's going to be 2-1 win. Um, Arsenal score first, and it will be Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Uh, Nicolas Pepe assist, maybe. <laughs> there we go. Get your money on it. I think it's, I'm, I'm going for 2-0 to Arsenal, I think. Uh... Just so it's not a painful train ride up and down. <laughs> does anyone um, pre- does anyone predict Arsenal defeats on this at all? Uh, I don't think so. Actually, no. I'm, I've been on this pod before. They played Manchester City. We definitely predicted. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think that's they've definitely been done. In terms of gents, you know, another topic that came up in the press conference was Jack Wilshere. Um, it's been sort of rumbling on ever since really he did that interview with The Athletic um, Nick you brought up in some of the press conferences about what's going to happen whether Arsenal were going to extend the olive branch they have um, Wilshere has wanted to accept it and we're now at a case of seeing as Arteta said what comes from these conversations um, we'll start with you Nick what, what would you like to see happen with Wilshere and what do you predict will happen with Wilshire? Um, well, I think, you know, must admit, much to my surprise, it looks like he will come back and, and at least train with the, with the team. And I think that will be good for, for Jack. I think it'll be a good for the, for the club too. It'll be just good. He will just, I'm not saying spirits need lifting necessarily, but he, you know, he is an Arsenal man. Although I saw recently he was talking about his um, mum's side of the family is all Tottenham, but he's an Arsenal man. He's sort of, he's a different uh, sort of human being person to the sort of the young lad we saw getting drunk after the FA Cup final and um, a bit of Jack the lad, so to speak. Now, he's quite a dedicated athlete now and I think he would be good for the younger players around him. It'd be good to have someone in that dressing room just saying, look, this is what Arsenal's like because we haven't had one of those sort of players, it seems like, since sort of the parlour Keown era when, you know, Lee Dixon always tells his stories of people getting up by the scruff of the neck saying you don't lose to Tottenham and so on. I mean, I remember it, 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 that, that article, that interview that David did was quite... was quite telling wasn't it with um with jack and i remember speaking to our um our uh, leader here mark man bryans before that press conference he said why don't you ask him about about jack and um and i did and i said you know, what do you think about jack's situation would you ever consider him allowing him to come back for training and mikel he looked a little bit surprised but it was any good well, that's not not a bad idea and i'd like to think that we as the sort of journalists actually had a, a role to play in this happening then jack responded to that so well, that's very nice of mikel to be so so flattering towards me. Um, maybe we can do it. And then, as we know, only this week, he's saying, well, we're actually talking to Jack. Um, and then when, I can't remember, someone else, I think it might be Mark, said, could that lead to a contract? And he sort of, well, hang on a minute, slow down. Um, <laughs> I didn't say anything about signing him up. So I think before Arsenal fans get a bit too carried away, what we're likely to see is Jack Wilshire returning to London Colney, returning to the training ground on how regular a basis or not, I don't know. But I think it'd be a good influence to have him around there He's a hard worker. He's a great player. Um, he's just been so unlucky with injuries, hasn't he? If, if, if he plays exceptionally well and he stays fit for a long period of time, you could see him being added to the squad um, 
on a sort of pay-as-you-play basis, but I would say that's less likely than likely. Mm. I mean, we, we talk a bit there about the, the power of, of the media, but this has all sparked from, you know, Jack doing an interview with The Athletic mm. and, and opening up and, you know, to me being pretty brutally honest about the situation he, he's going through. Um, if our, it becomes, you know, transparent that Arsenal don't want to sign Jack to play and he decides, you know, he doesn't want to carry on playing. Do you think there could be a role for him at Arsenal in some form of coaching, mentoring role? Because he's obviously had a career which has had highs and lows. And, and in my opinion, having someone at Arsenal working with young players, working at Hale End, who has been through what these kids are possibly going to go through could be a very valuable resource for Arsenal to have. Yeah, I mean, as Nick mentioned, he's probably the poster boy for Hayland and just mm. Arsenal's academy, I guess, since they moved to the Emirates. I know after the um, interview was released, pretty much, well, there were a lot of, I guess, ex-Arsenal players, current Arsenal players who were reaching out on Instagram, Twitter, um, just, I guess, offering him their support. And that was very that spoke very much to how highly he's still regarded. And I think even if he comes um, back to train, that is going to have some sort of effect on, especially those young players who have looked up to him for probably about 10, 10, 11. Well, mm-hmm. maybe if we go by his debut, 13 years. Um, so I think even if he doesn't return in a playing capacity, that could have a positive effect. If, do I see it becoming like a, an actual formal role. I'm not 100% sure. I know he was doing his coaching badges uh, when he was at Arsenal. So just before he left and he's obviously got his um, Jack Wilshere Academy as well. Um, So that's something I could possibly see, but I'm not sure if it would be in a, in a formal kind of role, because I think looking back to the interview he did with David, one thing, I think he was quite sure on was that he wanted to keep playing. He didn't feel like his career was over. Um, So even if, I guess, conversations don't lead to a playing contract at Arsenal, I personally would hope uh, that that could maybe lead to other playing opportunities uh, that um, maybe not the level of Arsenal, but just somewhere where he's able to be happy and play football. I mean, Nick, this used to be quite a, a common thing for for Arsenal, didn't it? Um, I'm thinking back to the days of Wenger where, you know, he had Ray Parler down there, I think he was training with them while he was heading up to Middlesbrough to play games. So then he obviously had David Beckham came in and trained for a bit. Thierry Henry obviously came back and then signed a contract because they saw actually looks like he can still sort of do a bit. So do you think this is... I mean, people talk about Arsenal sort of losing their way a bit over the past few years, but do you think, Nick, this is the right thing for the club to do to reach out to a player who's clearly close bonds with the club and is struggling and try and give them the help and support that they need in, in whatever way they can. Yeah, I think, I think very much so, Simon. I think it's, uh, I don't think, you know, Arteta or the current sort of management structure should be too proud to not give these guys a sort of a helping hand because it, and let's face it, it could be beneficial for, for both of them. You know, one of the, the great things Arsene Wenger realised when he, when he took over was not to sort of completely, create a French revolution and kick out all the old ways. He made sure Pat Rice was in there with him. He made sure there was Jordi Armstrong. There was a structure of old Arsenal people around him 
to guide him in the tra- traditions and the, and the ways of the club and also to reassure the players and everyone else at Arsenal that this was still their club and he wasn't taking it over. And um, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's, I mean, as far as I know, Robert Perez is probably still training with the club. It <laughs> seems that there was a period when he, he seemed to do more training with Arsenal than any of the current current players. And I think that just, uh, you know, we, we talk about players being uh, led by example and seeing sort of proven winners. And we see, it, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo at Man United at the moment. I read a piece this morning that people have stopped eating any sort of sugary desserts with the, uh, uh, the Man United meals because they just want to see what he's eating. And they're following, give me, give me more avocado. Give me more, one more grain of, fewer grain of rice. It's just that infant people sort of copy them. And I think, as I said, Jack is no longer sort of the Jack the lad that we used to know. And, um, yeah, let, I mean, let's bring them all back. Bring back Parler again, and he's pretty fit as well. Get them all back. Get all the players back. <laughs> well, I think we all hope it, yeah, I think we all hope it comes to a, a good resolution for Jack and maybe even for the club as well. Let's focus on what the big point of this podcast is, and that is you, Nick taking mm-hmm. on the Arsenal beat quiz. Oh, man. Now, Charles Watts storms to the top of the leaderboard um, with nine points. Yeah, he's slightly we- strange, Charles, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've, then got, we've, then got, we've then got Art, myself and Crossy on eight points in the top four, which is, mm-hmm. as we know, is, is a trophy. We've then got <laughs> Sam Dean on seven <laughs> points and Nick Ames, who still hasn't been seen anywhere, actually, since that six points. <laughs> Uh, in last place. Now, Nick, um, we know the format for this, uh, but for any listeners who don't, you'll have five general knowledge Arsenal questions. Mm. You will then have your specialist subject, which is Liam Brady, uh, who we, of course, famously played golf with Yes, uh, a few years ago. I hope the questions um, are about that day and nothing else. Yes, yeah. First question is, what's his handicap? So, uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> right. So, we'll start, first of all, with your five general knowledge questions. Um you ready, Nick? Yes, and if I get five, I'll be very happy. Yeah, I mean, I've been watching a... Arsenal for hundreds of years and thousands of matches, but I, uh, you know, facts and stats and lineups and things. But go on, let's go for it. <laughs> right, yeah, I get my excuses in early. Question number one: Who has won more games as Arsenal manager, Pat Rice or Freddie Lundberg? Well, Pat Rice um, had a hundred percent record of three played three won three, as I recall. I'm not sure if Freddie won three or not. I'm going to go for Pat Rice, who I think statistically is Arsenal's most successful ever manager, the only one to have a hundred percent win record. Well, that is correct. Pat Rice won three games. Freddie Lindbergh won one game. Yes, I think it might have been the Europa League one in Belgium, possibly. West Ham away. West Come on. Ham, yeah. Yeah. Bonus point. Six games, yeah. <laughs> well, you're better than the Quizmaster. Right. Question yeah. two. Arsenal lost just two games en route to the 2019 Europa League final to Barté Borisov and which French club? Oh, blimey. Uh, see, that's a bit too recent for me. Uh, 2019, I can't remember who they played, but... Would have been a group game. Um, always lose to. Is it Monaco? Did we play Monaco that season? Can't remember. Really can't remember. I think Art knows if you want to. If you want to jump in. Uh, Stad Rene. Oh yeah. yeah, they're quite good, aren't they? That's it. Yeah. 
Right. Question three. Dennis Bergkamp went six games without scoring after joining Arsenal from Inter Milan in 1999 before hitting a brace against which club? Oh. Now, I can't remember. I think it, I'm pretty sure it's, I know this is Southampton or Sunderland. And uh, so I can picture those red and white sort of striped shirts. <laughs> and uh, so I'm going to have to take 50 50. Maybe it's someone else who's broke their deadlock against uh, Southampton. I'm going to go for Southampton. Southampton football. It is correct, Southampton. Oh. Who are? Who I think did Thierry Henry score? There was a weird trend where players kept breaking their ducks against Southampton from memory. Right. Uh, question four. Who That's became two, the two first... of the bonus points so far, yeah? <laughs> two, plus two, yeah? two plus two styles. Yeah. Who became the first player to win BBC goal of the season in successive seasons following efforts against Norwich and West Brom? Oh, blimey. Arsenal player, Norwich and West Brom. Mm. Oh. Well, Jack Wilshire got that goal against Norwich, didn't he? Did he get one against West Brom? I want to say Dennis, but I'm going to say Jack Wilshire. He's correct. Oh, there you go. It's all in there somewhere. Everyone everyone remembers that Norwich goal. I can't think what the West Brom goal was. West Brom was last day of the season. Ball drops to him on the edge of the box and he kind of half volleys it into the top corner. Oh, yes. I think that got him into the England squad, didn't it? That was when uh, Arsenal Twitter were winning every single Twitter poll. on. Right, last question of the general knowledge rate. Done well here, Nick. Um, if, okay, let's go. Including caretakers, from the appointment of Terry Neal to oh, current please. boss Mikel Arteta, what is the most common nationality of Arsenal's managers? So from Terry Neal to Mikel Arteta, what is the most common nationality of Arsenal's managers? Okay, so we've had Arteta, Emery... Uh, Wenger. Um, I'm just thinking. I, I, I'm sure people don't want me to go through every manager and every caretaker. <laughs> I'm slightly on instinct here because I'm just thinking Scott. I'm thinking about Scottish. You've got George Graham, Rioch, and Stuart Houston was was caretaker. That's three. When he had two Spaniards, um, I'm going to go Scottish. Correct. Oh, back of the what next. A, what Partridge. a storming first round. Right. You need to, if you 100% your specialist subject, oh, you God. will tie Charles Watts at the top of the leaderboard. Right. Um, Golf handicaps, um, 15. Yes. What did Liam Brady score on the par three? <laughs> no, right. Okay. <laughs> question. Right. First question of your specialist round. Mm-hmm. Liam Brady's nickname during his time at Arsenal, derived from his fondness of which meal? Well, chips, chippy Brady. And, you know, he doesn't like... I mean, I remember when I <laughs> interviewed... I mean, it was my all-time hero as, as a, a young, young boy. And Chippy was... You know, everyone, every Arsenal fan, every player called him Chippy because when he first came over from Ireland, his mum just sort of said to him, please look after my boy. All he really eats is chips. If you give him chips, that'll be fine. And I don't know, it was one of the scouts or something said, right, that's his name, Chippy. And he says, no one ever's um, 
no one ever's called him Chippy outside of Arsenal. And I've said to her, can I, can I call you Liam or Chippy? He goes, well, any of my friends can call me Chippy. You can call me Liam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll give you that. Uh, right. Next one. Um, Brady played a key role in the winning goal in the FA Cup final against Manchester United in 1979, but was substituted in the final a year earlier as Arsenal lost to Ipswich. But who came on for Brady in the 65th minute? Was it Alan Hudson, Willie Young or Graham Richt? In the question. In the 78 final? In the 78 final, Brady came off in the 65th minute and he was subbed for Alan Hudson, Willie Young or Graham Ricks. Who well, it's not, came on? It's not going to be Willie Young because he's a defender and they were probably, it might have been losing by then. Um, I remember Brady was injured and uh, played all those injured players. I says, look, to so Hudson or Ricks, um, they probably only had one sub then as well, didn't they? Um Oh, I'm going to say Rixie, but Alan, I think Alan Hudson. What are you going for? I need a final answer. Hudson. Graham uh, Ricks. Ah, sh- sugar. <laughs> sugar, right. sugar, sugar, sugar. Uh, a Republic of Ireland international Brady became the first foreign player to be named PFA Players Player of the Year. But in which year was that? Uh, he was PFA Player of the Year. That was the that would have been seventy nine or eighty. Um, it's got to be seventy nine. Correct. Oh. Right, you've leveled Amesy. Two oh. questions to go. You can sneak into the uh, come off the. I'm some joint in, bottom in, of the league at the moment. You can sneak into the magnificent eight group here with you now. These last two, right. Brady was also named Arsenal's Player of the Year in 1979. But how many times in total did he win the award? Blimey. So 79. So he was Arsenal. only an Arsenal player for about four or five years, wasn't he? Um, it's ridiculous to think that he was at the club for such a short time. But as regarded, he was that good. Regarded as one of the best players ever. Um, how many times was Chippy Arsenal Player of the Season? So I think he made his. Debut and I'm going to say that oh, this is it's a guess, but I'm going to say four, three, five. Oh, three. they should have been four. All right, final question mm-hmm. to sneak off the bottom. Brady scored on his final game before retirement in a Division Two game against Wolves, but which club was he playing for? West Ham. Correct. There that's we go. Easy, that last one, blimey. <laughs> that's it. Seven points. I think that's Seven. a good score. That that was that was a that was a diff, some difficult questions in there. Um, I did a dry run of it with Mark Man Bryan's earlier, and bear in mind, I was wasn't even a glint in my dad's eye when some of those questions <laughs> were being devised. So, well, you I know, struggled, but I think you've had a good result there. Level with Sam Dean, and being level with Sam Dean is no uh, is nothing to be shameful about. I think you know when I remember when I started out in journalism and. Uh, my sort of mentor, the great late Reg Hater, was sort of saying, you know, if you if you're into your sport, you sort of you should know your history. And because uh, he had some young reporter was asked to sort of do something, he goes, I wasn't even born then. He said, Yeah, but who won the World Cup in 1966? He says, England. Who scored a hat trick? Jeff Hurst. He goes, Well, if you know that, you should know all your. You should know about the 1930s. <laughs> you should know about Ted Drake and Wilf Bastin and and all these sort of guys and um, Wilf Copping and uh, Cliff Bastin even. Uh, 
Pat Rice's 100% record. You should know these things. To finish us off, Nick, let, regale us with your your favourite story about oh. Chippy. Oh, Liam, as you should refer to him. <laughs> none, none of us should be calling him Chippy on the podcast. I can't, you know, I can't, I can't possibly tell my favourite Liam Brady story on here because it would get us all into a lot of trouble. <laughs> and, uh, but it, it was quite a late night. And, um, you know, he's the great thing about Liam Brady. He's, he's just, he is an, he is an Arsenal man. You know, he's an Arsenal fan. He still goes to the games. He, he, he's still got a flat in Highbury, although he's sort of home is in, in Brighton now. And, uh, it's great that you can have someone who's such, uh, a brilliant player who, um, also supports the club. And it's sad that he's not involved now. I know he was working as an ambassador for the club and, you know, remember he was head of Arsenal's youth development for pretty much throughout the whole Wenger reign. I think he was at the club just before, Arson came in. He brought through uh, Jack Wilshire, and he was influential. Actually, he was influential on Cesc Fabregas and players like that too. And um, uh, I just wish he still had a, a closer involvement uh, with the club because uh, he's just a great Arsenal man. He's got a great eye for talent, and uh, he's a real winner, as you know from that golf. He, do- he doesn't take losing badly at all. Does he? <laughs> take it well, even. I'm losing yeah. my thread. So I, I apologise for not having a, an anecdote up my sleeve there, but. Um, probably best left unsaid it sounds like it? it sounds like someone needs to get hold of liam brady and do a piece about jack wilshire personally so <laughs> i'm expecting i'm expecting next time we're on the pod you'll hang on that so let's get him on let's get him on this <laughs> anyway everyone thank you for joining us today we'll be back on monday to review the burnley game take a quick look at the afc Wimbledon cup tie and molly hudson returns to update us on all things arsenal women <laughs> <laughs>